the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. I'm Rob Black. Joining me right now, CFP Chad Burton. Mr. Burton, how are you? Doing well. How are you? Doing well. Let's talk about potential ways to plan for long-term care that you might need during retirement. And this is, you know, obviously a personal issue for me, and probably a personal issue for a lot of our listeners. As, for instance, my mother has used long-term care numerous times now. Um, she's an older woman, and she needs more and more care. It seems. Yeah, well, and here's what I'm talking about it again. It seems like every couple of years I see a really rapid case of okay. dementia or Alzheimer's. So the first time I saw this happen, Alzheimer's is usually kind of a, a slow, you know, you can see it coming for several years. And I've seen two cases where I, you know, picked up the phone, started talking to a client, and I said, you know, how was your weekend? And He's talking about how he was mining up in the hills of some South Dakota, whatever, and it's just making absolutely no sense. And you're like, okay, something's wrong here. Um, so another kind of similar situation last month. So I had Nicole, one of our CFPs, write a blog on uh, long-term care. And so it'll be up here shortly, newfocusfinancial.com. But it's a ba- three basic ways to plan for long-term care. And here's the deal. I mean, you go in to retirement thinking that, well, you got Medicaid, or you got Medicare, rather, and you're going to be okay, and that's not the case, because you have all these other supplemental insurance to deal with the co-pays and the doctor visits and things like that that we talk about all the time, and what it doesn't really cover is if you have a long-term disability when you're older. Grandma goes in for Alzheimer's, grandpa falls and breaks his hip, goes in, and it's, it's tough, so... The average annual cost of home care in California, if you want somebody to come to your house and take care of you, is $52,000 a year right now. Most Americans that are turning 65 are underprepared for retirement just for their own standard of living, let alone trying to come up with fifty-two grand a year to pay for somebody to come to your house and cook for you and clean and help you get in and out of bed. So if you go to a semi-private nursing home room, those could be around $86,000 a year based on current numbers. So people need to think about this as they go into retirement and say, okay, what am I going to do? And then there's three basic options. And uh, so we can talk about that. You know, when I was in college, I was able to pay like 5 to $10 to have a sorority girl come tuck me into bed and read me a goodnight story. That wasn't a sorority girl, Rob. <laughs> no, she really was. No, she and wasn't. She, and she, she came <laughs> with a buddy. A tall just... girl sorority? Is that no, 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 <laughs> no, no. Don't go there. Don't go there. It's actually a true story. Um, it's just a, a fundraiser, so to speak. Oh, okay. Gotcha, gotcha. That's, is that how they sold it? Don't. Good God, man. <laughs> Seriously. Which college is this again? Seriously. What's wrong with you? 
<laughs> um, you in there first. No, I was just telling a story about like, long-term care. You know, you said have someone come and take care of you. Right. That's where that got. Okay. So let's, go to, let's talk self-insuring. What do we need to know? We're running out of time. Well, this is how most people think that they're going to do it is self-insure. And then they get to that point in life and they realize that, okay, if I do self-insure, and let's say I'm, I'm having somebody come take care of my spouse or my spouse is in the nursing home, if you self-insure, the person that's living at home that's healthy runs out of money. And so they go to option number two, which is have the government pay, and that's Medicaid. And in California, it's called Medi-Cal. Basically, to get on this, you have to spend down your assets to about $2,000. Now, there are spousal impoverishment laws so that you can work with an attorney and you can legally – shifting assets isn't the right word, but you can legally – get some assets um, protected for the well spouse living at home, but Medi-Cal will come in and recover their costs at the spouse's second death. And when people try to give away money and get on Medi-Cal, um, there, there could be some legal prosecution from that if, if you're actually trying to hide assets. So having the government pay means you basically have gone into poverty or you're on a very restricted income that you've done some Medicaid or Medi-Cal planning with an attorney. So that leaves long-term care insurance. And I don't know if you've seen any of the articles, Rob, but this stuff's gotten very expensive lately. Yeah, it seems to be the, the insurance, insurance companies are smart. They want to protect their profits. They don't want to pay out tons of money. So they're making it a little bit tougher. And, you know, what I've run into with long-term care is that my mom even has long-term care. She doesn't know that she has long-term care. She can't read the contracts that she has long-term care. Mm-hmm. So it turns, into, it turns into an issue that the children really need to know. Yeah, it is. And that's why um, a good long-term care insurance agent will ask you about that, so about even you know who gets the premium notices so that you continue to pay if you get older and you forget. Um, it's good to have those family meetings, those state planning meetings where you're dealing with wills, trusts, health care directives, things like what happens if you need extended care. But, but long-term care insurance, I mean, rates have been going up for people. Um, there used to be a way you could get spousal discounts of both people at the same time, that's gone away. And women are now rated. I was looking at a quote from an insurance agent. I'm, I don't sell this stuff, but I, we go through financial plans and, and let people know whether or not they need it what, and what they should do about it. And I was looking at a quote from an agent where women are now rated more than men. So at 65, I think the, uh, the male's premium for like a three- or a four-year plan was 3000 bucks a year. The female's is around 4000 bucks a year because the issue is that females are going into nursing homes and staying longer where men go in for a shorter period of time and pass away. That's, that's the, the statistics right now. So you should still definitely look at it. I mean, if you're 55 years old and you're maxing out your 401k, your Roth IRAs, you've got a lot of money saved, and your advisor that does not sell the insurance says, okay, you probably need it, so go ahead and buy it if you're on track for retirement, if you've got some extra cash flow. Um, if you've you know, started saving early, if you're way behind the curve, you may not be able to afford it. So keep saving, 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 and look at it again when you're like 60, 65 years old. If you have a lot of family health issues, like a lot of dementia and Alzheimer's, you know, look when you're younger as well. And then also have a plan B. I mean, if if you can't afford the insurance, what's your plan B? Moving out of state, selling the house, reverse mortgage. This is a very important thing because it's not just the person that goes in the nursing home and needs the care. It's the spouse that's at home, that's healthy. They're at home healthy and potentially broke because of the situation. So 
And this is the budgetary issues that are really affecting the United States. It's, it's the Medicare, Medicaid, Social Security issue. We're almost out of time. Is there anything else you want to add to this topic? We've got about 30 seconds. If you've bought it, be aware that your rates will eventually go up. Um, unless you did a 10-pay program where it's all paid up and you're done, your rates will likely go up because companies had mispriced this 10, 15 years ago. So they are going to increase rates if you haven't already seen one. CFP Chad Burton, newfocusfinancial.com. You can find him online at newfocusfinancial.com. He and I do seminars. I do seminars. Um, yeah, that's correct, grammar. He and I do seminars uh, on a regular basis. You can find out more about the seminars and get downloadables and articles at the website newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. Now, I'm Rob Black. You can find me online at robblack.com. You can find me at a podcast, the show at kdow.biz. It's kdow.biz. Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Good morning. Happy August 22nd to you. Something I was talking about with the CFP yesterday was years, eight months in now, right? Christmas is not 100 days away, but it's probably getting close. And you're saying, don't do that. Don't do that. Let's think about it. August, September, October, November, about 120 days. So, right around the corner. (laughs) Still time to shop. Which is interesting that I say that, because one thing that's not happening right now, retail is just, it's messy. Jobs market's good. We're we're not upset about that. Job market's okay. Um... So we, then we start looking at some of the other things, and we're like, okay, housing's okay. Autos look pretty good. People aren't doing retail. Why? It's interesting to think about. Um, eyes and ears are on Jackson Hole this morning, Jackson Hole, Wyoming. Why Jackson Hole? Because that's where a lot of financial people from around the world are hanging out today. Fed Chairman Janet Yellen giving a speech at the Jackson Hole Symposium about labor market dynamics. What did she have to say? We're not there yet. Interesting. Federal Reserve Chairman Janet Yellen speaking at Kansas City's Fed Economic Symposium. One of her quotes that's coming out is tied towards wage growth. She says, quote, First, the sluggish pace of nominal and real wage growth in recent years may reflect the phenomenon of the pent-up wage deflation. She added that the labor market said, quote, there's no simple recipe for appropriately, appropriate policy in this context. The Fed Open Market Committee is particularly attentive to the need to clearly describe the policy framework we're using to meet these challenges. She said that despite strengthening indicators in the labor market, she still sees significant underutilization of labor resources. So it sounds like she's going to be the friend of the person, the friend of the investor. You know, the Wall Street's not climbing a wall of worry right now. Wall Street's enjoying a nice, cool, casual inner tube down, ride down, a nice, easy, peaceful monetary policy. 
So the markets were weaker. They opened weaker. But they've started to turn up. That does not mean that we will end up. But right now you've got the S&P 500 down 1, the Dow down 6, the NASDAQ up 2. Crude oil's at $93 a barrel, roughly. We can live with that. Anything under 100 I would say, is digestible. Um, especially since the Ukraine-Russia scenario, we're well-stocked with oil, and yet that's a scenario where maybe we would get freaked out a little bit. Ten-year Treasury sits at 2.42, 2.42%. That is, again, once, again, cheap cost of money. And right now you're seeing corporate America refinance their, their balance sheets. And something I talked about recently on television is that if you've refied your home, if you've got a mortgage in the last five years, you've probably got a pretty historically good rate. And hopefully, or not hopefully, but some of you got them for 15 years, some of you got them for 30 years. I think you're going to be pretty well pleased with that in 5, 10, 15, 20, 25 years. And that should help the economy in 5, 10, 15, 20, 25 years. Russia caused a stir this morning when it ordered its aid convoy to proceed into Ukraine without the blessing of Ukraine or the Red Cross. Um, Vladimir Putin's bravado enforcing this effort speaks to the unpredictable nature of the situation in eastern Ukraine. And again, it could cause us this, you know, it's, it's Friday. It can cause the market to say, you know what, I don't want to go along for the weekend. Because, you know, maybe by sitting in an aid convoy, maybe next thing we know, you know, bombs are getting thrown around or grenades are getting jumped on. And people get nervous over the weekend. Uh, this weekend, you'll probably hear, you know, John Kerry or Hillary Clinton say something about Russia. And we'll, we'll then be fighting words where we come back on Monday to Wall Street to go, oh. No economic data today. Latest batch of retail earnings reports have produced some hits, like Gap, and some misses like Aeropostale. Fascinating story. Jello can't stop the slippery sides sales slide. It's lost its jiggle, and nobody knows how to fix it. The dessert was invented more than a century ago. It's very sugary, and that's probably one of the reasons people are turning away from it and going towards things like Greek yogurt. But sales down 19% now. It's pretty rough. Jello sales in the United States hit $932 million in 2009. Now they're down to $753 million. Not bad. Almost a billion-dollar product, right? Uh, some people think of it as childish. Nutrition, well, childish, like adults don't want to. But there's also nutrition. It's long positioned itself as a lighter alternative to cakes and pies. And mom would always say there's always room for Jell-O. So there's a product. And I bring that up because Bank of America has a product, banking. Are they nice to you when you come in? Does Jell-O taste good? Intel's got semiconductors. Are they fast? Do they they work? Um, You always, always have to see this on Wall Street. That uh, it's all product-driven. You know, radio station you listen to now, um, product-driven. So, Vladimir Putin's bravado is pretty fascinating stuff. Um, Janet Yellen? Eh. I heard one theory on Janet Yellen, and this is kind of interesting. See if you go with me on this theory angle or not. That perhaps she's focusing on the labor market, labor market, labor market, because they're trying to slowly undo 
all the purchases they've, they've made. They've bought billions and billions and billions and billions of dollars of debt. They need to sell some of that. They need to get it off their balance sheet at some point. So, anyhow. S&P 500 enters the week with a date gain of 1.9%. So, unless things go to heck in a handbasket, we're going to have an up week. Take a look at some other top stories out there today. Um, strength is seen in consumer staples, utilities. Uh, staples are things that you have to have. Utilities, you know, you have to have your electricity. Otherwise, you won't be able to watch your ESPN, which means you have to have your cable, which means you have to have your football. Because almost everything on cable television is replaceable, except for football, except for live sports. Seems that way, right? Um, other stories of note, Hamas kills 18 collaborators. That's a story that's not going away. Uh, tension in the Middle East. Candy Crush Saga is hitting China. It's one of the world's most successful mobile games, and it's been released in China by publisher Tencent Holdings. So Candy Crush is publicly traded. Again, product. Ticker symbol is King, K-I-N-G, K-I-N-G. We'll take a break here. We'll come back. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money. On AM 1220, KDOW. So I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. I know that sometimes business stories and business news gets a little repetitive. Like, seriously, what else do we really, really need to know about uh, McDonald's? You know, I, we've probably heard it all, right? Ta-da. Probably haven't heard it all. Like, did you know what country do you think is the most profitable for McDonald's? Stop and think for a second. Stop and think for a second. It's going to surprise you. It's uh, France. Fifteen years after farmers infamously ransacked one of its restaurants to protest its bad beef, McDonald's has conquered France. Le Figaro calls it the model student. France is the suburban Chicago-based chain's most profitable country outside the United States. I guess I should have said outside the United States. Sales were up 4.8% through the first seven months of the year. And the CEO there, Jean-Pierre Petit, is rounding out his tenth year as McDonald's France's CEO. He said 2014 is going to be its greatest sales year ever. Keep in mind, there's like recession and like unhappiness in France and Germany right now, tied towards Ukraine. The company now hires 3,000 workers a year and employs more than 69,000 workers in the country. It's almost revenge for the way the French are portrayed in the media about hating Americans. You hate Americans, we send you McDonald's. Um, and they're expanding further. They're getting one location at the Louvre. 
Sacre bleu. <laughs> Go ahead and say something, say something dirty in French out loud. Wait, it gets better. We're setting up McDonald's at Sorbonne. Two on the Champs Elysees. All up and down the French Riviera. So, I don't know. I find that very, how uneasy is it to be wonderful with this story? But they all kind of work at the same kind of emotion, right? McDonald's first came to France in 1972 after a French restaurant tool convinced uh, McDonald's U.S. that he could solve the firm's European growth woes um, just outside Paris. And uh, he said he would have to persuade the French to eat with their hands. Uh, and again, it's generational. That's what happened. You just stay there long enough and kids will rise up. So, I don't know. It's To me, I find that to be just a wonderful story. Now, again, on the flip side, I could talk about Janet Yellen and the stock market for sure. Um, Yellen basically said, we're not done yet. And because of that, we're not where we want to be. She's going to give the t- market time to really let everything catch on. We're still buying back debt. We're still buying debt that we issue, keeping borrowing costs really low. So not only is she not done, she's still playing. And even when she ends the buying of the debt, the quantitative easing three, we still have super low interest rates from the Federal Reserve. Federal Reserve is the first step in borrowing. If they say money should be borrowed at X plus 3%, that's where you start. So, you know, a bank will get a hold of some money. And then a mortgage company will contact the bank and say, hey, you know, we'd like to fund some loans. So the bank will get it at X plus 3%. And then they'll tell the mortgage company, okay, X plus 3.5%. And the mortgage company will tell you X plus 4%. And there's actually more people involved, as you could well imagine. And there's smaller spreads usually. Uh, But that's what is happening. S&P 500's down fractions. The Dow's up four. The NASDAQ up five. The NASDAQ and the Dow, um, NASDAQ's more of a growth-oriented market. The Dow is more of an, you know, someone's idea of what, you know, 30 reflective companies in the United States are. And I don't really think the Dow is as important of an index as the S&P 500 is. Um, I personally like the Russell 3000 or the Wilshire 5000, if we're saying what's your favorite index, which is a game everyone should play on occasion. Um, Pot laws split the nation as travelers get busted. You knew this would happen. America's two nations when it comes to marijuana, one that's legal and one that's not. Um, So on a trip where one guy rented a U-Haul to move his uncle from California to Ohio, he brought along some marijuana, which is legal for medicinal use in his home state. But when he got stopped in Oklahoma, not so much. He could spend 10 years in jail. Um, and it was one of those things where he was helping an uncle, and he had a, mar- a marijuana card in his wallet, and the officer said, where is it? And next thing you know, he's got a felony charge. It will be interesting to see the legal checkerboard and the states that follow along. Keep in mind, a lot of these companies that are you know, now 
legal in Washington, in Colorado, it's almost an all-cash business because banks are having problems because they're afraid the federal government's going to shut them down. So banks don't want to have anything to do with something that has tied towards an illegal product. Crazy country we live in, right? Is it legal? Is it not legal? It's kind of too gray. And it, it, that's all I'm going to say on that. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything that you want to do, we can do. eBay is considered spinning off its popular payments arm, PayPal. Stock soared after that news. What's interesting to note is Carl Icahn and a couple other people told them to do that six months ago. And it was like, no. Suddenly eBay was French. No. No. Um, And a former PayPal executive is in the news. He said something fantastic. He said, I've got a good idea for eBay. Change your name to PayPal. Change the logos, change the paint, change the T-shirts, and you get the same value basically spinning off PayPal. PayPal's commerce play. And if you've ever tried to close a PayPal account, it is obnoxious. Um, it is, if you think closing an account with Comcast is annoying, PayPal's ten times worse. Anyhow, moving forward, Salesforce.com. Dot com. Reported strong earnings yesterday. Revenue came in at $1.3 billion, a 38% increase from the same quarter last year. Mark Bidioff, Salesforce CEO and really generous giver, said he's spending $390 million on a three-year-old startup Relate IQ because his two friends told him to and because it complements Salesforce future plans. Revenue up 38%, so it's still a pretty fast grower. Him and his wife give a lot of money to children's hospitals. Kind of weird, though. And I'm not saying weird in a negative way. I'm just saying his name is on a children's hospital. Like, it used to be Oakland Children's Hospital, and now it's kind of got this Benioff name tied towards it. I'm not worth that kind of money. I'm worth some money, but I'm not worth that kind of money. I promise you, I want nothing ever named after me. Um, let's see. Revenue was one point. Okay, does everyone know what Salesforce does? They do a lot of what Oracle does, but in the cloud. There's a couple buzzwords that really move Wall Street right now. Cloud is one of them. The other one being commerce, or another one being commerce, e-commerce. And PayPal, is it's interesting. We're, we're getting to a point where I probably write 5 to 10 checks a year, down from 10 to 25 previously. And like five years ago, maybe 25 to 30 a year. We're getting to the point where everything's just being transferred. And, like, there used to be a company that was publicly traded that printed checks. And, yes, there's still going to be a need for physical checks. But you know why the need for physical checks started to go away? Um, 9-11. When 9-11 hit, uh, it really messed up our banking system because banks used to go and be physically inspected and keyed in and things like that and taking pictures of and now we just digitize them all so and we can send them via email bloop, 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 or by the internet or whatever you want to say so anyway so as an investor I think we keep coming back to the Ukraine and are you ready for a global crisis because there's going to be another one 
we've had the Asian flu. We've had Europe go through a, a banking crisis. We have had the United States go through a bank, banking crisis. China's had some hard landings, some real estate issues. You look down to Brazil, and they've got fiscal problems, social problems. So there will be another 9-11. It'll happen. There's been 28 major worldwide crises from the fall of France in 1940 to the bombing of the World Trade Center in 1993. Uh, Pearl Harbor. You know, right after Pearl Harbor, the first day of the attack on Wall Street, the Dow fell 2.9%. The broader S&P 500 lost 4.1% in December of 1941. So North Korea invaded South Korea in 1950. Pretty same pattern. Where there's this initial sell-off, which creates an opportunity. So of course you want to diversify so when you're going down, you don't feel bad about it. But you also want to invest regularly. And you want to seek bargains when things are going down. So there's got to be some calamity. It's always right around the corner. Be ready for it and know that it could work to your advantage. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. You're listening to KDOW from the Wall Street Business. AM 1220 KDOW. one person it's not me it should be Warren Buffett I always say on this show that your investment lifetime is basically 20 to 60 so let's call it 40 years if you go back to 1970 which is kind of 45 years ago um, if you would put a thousand dollars in Berkshire Hathaway it would be worth 4.8 million dollars today Berkshire Hathaway is not buying internet stocks He's not buying dot-coms. He's not getting IPOs. He does get a lot of things that you and I don't do because he has so much money to lend. He's able to say, you know, hey, during the financial disaster, Goldman Sachs, if I give you money, you're going to give me a sweetheart deal. But it goes to show you what investing in simple things over a long period of time does. He invests in train companies. He invests in Coca-Cola. He invests in McDonald's. Um, Will there ever be another Berkshire Hathaway? Warren Buffett? Maybe not. If you'd invested $1,000 with Berkshire Hathaway in 1990, though, now again, just trying to show you how real this is, it'd be worth 29000 almost $30,000 today. Not too shabby. Let's go to a phone call, 800-516-1220. Lisa San Jose. I've been listening to you for a very long time. Good, thanks. And I've been motivated to save more as a result. Good. 
So I was just wondering, I'm 53, and I am wondering how much, based on how much I have in the savings now, should I be saving uh, currently? How much do you have? So I have about 200000 in a UBS account, and I have um, the guy who helps me manage my money. And I'm saving now. I have uh, some independently contracting. I have a self-employment uh, IRA, I believe it's called, and, and a Roth. So I go in and out of being qualified for my Roth. So I'm just not sure how much monthly I should be saving percentage-wise. As much as you can, because you haven't saved enough for your age. First and foremost, do you own a house? No. I sold okay. before the downturn, thank goodness. Okay, you're going to want to start thinking about your budget in retirement. And if you drop me an email, rob at robblackshow.com, rob at robblackshow.com, I'll send you a very simple budgetary tool. Um, because you said you're 56? 53. 53? Okay. Um, so that means you're seven years away from retirement, in theory. I think you're going to want to work as long as you can because that 200K will become 400K as long as the guy at EBS isn't shady. Um, And, yeah, just drop me an email, robertrobuckshow.com. And I want to just ask you, like, what sort of mutual funds he puts you in. I want to see if he's, like, there's some people in this industry that will put you in, like, I had a friend who was in a bond fund. The bond fund was yielding, like, 2%, and the bond fund cost 3% to buy. So that's pretty shady. Um, but yeah, you're looking at probably $400,000 in just this money. Um, so as much as you can put away as fast as you can put it away in qualified retirement plans, um, you're over 50 now. So you can, you know, do catch up contributions into your IRAs, uh, i.e. put in more per year. But I think a budget's going to be really, really important for you. Let's just, uh, play with that $400,000 number and you know that's going to pay you maybe, um, a million is going to pay you $40,000 a year to $60,000 a year. So 400000 is going to pay you somewhere around 15000 to 20000 a year. Um, Social Security is going to run somewhere between 1500 if you take it early to 3000 if you take it at 72. So the longer you can wait to take it, the better, especially if you have longevity in your family. Um, so there's some issues that you need to still kind of figure out on your end before I can figure out on my end for you. Uh, but again, you want to try to get to a million because that'll pay you forty to sixty thousand a year um, in pre-tax money. Uh, Social Security is going to be somewhere between fifteen hundred and three thousand in pre-tax money per month. So you can see, you know, forty thousand dollars a year. If you break it down monthly, you're talking about four thousand dollars a month plus five thousand plus the Social Security, about fifty-five hundred. Take ten percent off for uh, sales tax in California. Uh, so you're going to say, I don't want to live in California. I want to live in a state with no sales com- income tax in retirement. Um, so there's some things that you're going to want to get to. Um, and, again, if you could even stay part-time, if you retire from a, a main career, and I didn't get to know you well enough to know if you have a pension or something uh, that adds materially to our argument. Uh, but, Lisa, if you drop me an email, rob at com, I'll take a look at your scenario for you, and I'll ask you a couple questions, and we'll help get a more healthy number for you. It's not as good as going to a CFP, sitting down and doing a nice, thorough job, but it should help you. Um, And I think that's about all I have for you on that. Um, I'm trying to think of anything else. Budgets is going to be real important. So, because, again, if you're getting $20,000 from your assets, 
a year, and you're getting 12000 from Social Security. Um, let's see, let's see, 1200 Let's do 1200 Social Security, and don't forget you've got medical expenses in retirement. So let's say you're pulling in $3,200 in income pre-tax. Again, you're going to have to pay sales tax, you're going to have to pay income tax in state, and you're going to have to pay federal tax. Some states are friendlier than others with how they treat retirees, so you're going to want to start doing some research on that probably in the next two years. Um, so that takes a big lop off of that money. They say that you typically want 10 to 20 times your salary before you retire. So if you're making $20,000 a year, you've got 20 times your salary. You're golden. I'm assuming you're not making $20,000. Um, and again, budget, budget, because once you stop working, you drain down that, that asset that you have, and you're in trouble. I'd still stay along the market and make sure that you're diversified. And join me name at robertroblockshow.com. Take a break here. I'll be right back. Oops. Today. Reverend. We're ready. The Wall Street Business Network presents Rob Black and Your Money, your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finances, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800 516 1220. So call in. We'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now, to start your day with the latest news and market commentary, here's Rob Black on the Wall Street Business Network. Welcome in. Rob Black, your money. I'm Rob Black. Sometimes talking about the news of the day. Sometimes talking about mistakes not to make. I always let you to try to trend the show and tell me what you want. Do you want to talk Janet Yellen and how she's kept monetary policy easy for a long time, inheriting that policy from Ben Bernanke, who inherited it from Alan Greenspan? <clears throat> the Federal Reserve is in the position of setting the cost of money, which um, their mandate is to fight inflation as well as try to get full employment. That's where it starts to get a little bit sticky. What's full employment? It's very, very tough to define. Our economy has changed dramatically in the last 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years. Every 10 years. So it's something they have to watch. The inflation side is the boogeyman that they also have to fight. Inflation being um, things cost more. I like to use Coca-Cola as an example because it's the easiest one. When I was a boy, it cost 25 cents for a can of Coke. Then it went to 50. Then it went to 75. Who has three quarters? Then it went to a you know, dollar machines, and then the machine started talking to you. Weird. So now you can pay two bucks. One of the saviors of Coca-Cola, believe it or not, is smaller Cokes. People still want that little delicious sin of sugar water. But instead of 12 ounces, maybe they want 8 ounces. And they're digging you. So anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. One area that I always come back to again and again and again 
is, you know, mistakes that people make. And you want to try to cut down on the mistakes that you make as much as possible, as soon as possible, as fast as possible. You want to become as good of an investor as you can. But that doesn't mean hitting home runs. It typically means not striking out. So in investing, you want to be... Who's the guy who gets a lot of hits? A lot of singles. Never a lot of triples, no home runs. You want to be the guy who gets on base. You don't want to be the guy who hits a home run. When you do hit a home run, you you congratulate yourself. But you don't dwell on it. And you don't try to hit another one. So when people in their 30s and 40s and 50s and older look back, there's always that thought of regret. I didn't get married in my 20s. I will never have the joy of having grandchildren. Or I would have to live to a very, very long time, and then the grandchildren will like look at me like, who's that old piece of bacon in the back of the room? So there's always going to be regrets. Um, you know, one of the biggest regrets is money. There was a survey out of bankrate.com that found 69% of people 18 to 29 had no retirement savings at all. Biggest regret, anyone in their 50s. And we had a call from Lisa in the last hour. Biggest regret is she didn't save more. I guarantee you, as far as money goes. Um, Your retirement may seem too far away off when you're 18 to 29. I've got a friend who was engaged paid off $30,000 of her fiancé's debt. He ran up $30,000 of credit card debt, dumped him, got engaged again, now is out shopping for a big wedding. Bad idea. It's The big wedding idea is a concept of silly America from 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years ago. And we need to change it. Average wedding in the United States costs over $30,000. In your 20s, that 30 would become 60 by the time you're 35, 60 would become 120 by the time you're 42. 120 would become 250 by the time you're 50. 250 would become $500,000 by the time you retire. So you want to remember the day forever, but not pay for the day forever. Um, I remember my first wedding. <laughs> I was like, I shouldn't do this. I should get some of the sharks. Maybe they'll eat me. Maybe I can get out of it. Uh... She did me wrong. So anyway, uh, one of the biggest regrets. Another big regret is getting fat, gaining weight. Now, again, I'm only saying that because being fat and overweight will lead to diabetes. Being fat and overweight will lead to a more expensive age 40, 50, 60, 70, 80. Stay healthy as long as you can because when it goes, it's tough to get back. I had a little plantar fascia in my left foot six weeks ago. I'm getting close to my college weight. I'm, I'm, fighting, I'm getting in fighting shape pretty good. Getting a lot of muscle. Then my plantar fascia hit. I'm like, ah. Oh. So yesterday was the first day that I was able to go out and test it. Um, I like to run, do weights, and a lot of cardio work. But I had to eliminate the running for a while. Anyway, um, so that health, big issue. Another thing that I think is a mistake in your 20s is equating happiness with money. I gotta go to New York. I gotta go to Mexico. I gotta go to Thailand. I gotta go uh, a fat paycheck 
and it just does it leads to success but try to get your happiness geared to something else than spending money uh, putting things off in your 30s uh, in your 20s is a huge mistake so you'll become incredibly successful you'll have it all figured out when you're 30 when you're 30 you're like oh I'll have, this will all fall in place when the kids are out of school and you know I'll, I'll start making saving more money when they're when they're done with college it's 45 and then 45 you're like ah oh, you know what I need I need a Porsche because I have a midlife crisis um I think another mistake that people make in their 20s, they think that friendships last forever. That I do wish I'd met, networked more in college and networked more with my friendships. Um, but a lot of people, you know, spend a lot of time just pouring it down the drain. So be cautious on that. So anyway, uh, biggest regret about money. Oh, I think education too. A lot of people think, well, I have a college degree. That's all I need to be successful. High intelligence, natural talent, and degrees, they're all good things to have, but you really got to go out and knock on doors and get to know people and then network and navigate politics and you know, know who to ask for what and trying to see the big picture um, no matter what you do. You can't just you know skate on by. So I've got a friend who recently started doing some side work for me. And he needs to update his, his resume. He needs to say, you know, what he's doing uh, as a side job and make it look like it's a brand new job on top of his current job. Never stop networking. Never stop working the system until you until you are where you want to be. Just my opinion. Anyhow, um, markets are taking a look at the Janet Yellen speech today in stride. Uh, there's really not a freak-out moment up or down. Janet Yellen said, job market still hampered, calls for pragmatic policy. What's pragmatic policy? Oof. Jobless rate has fallen faster than expected, but economic disruption for the last five years still have left millions of workers sidelined, discouraged, stuck in part-time jobs. So she's trying to see, she's trying to buy as much time as she can and trying to unwind some policy. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money invested more. I try to find those interesting stories for you that make you a better investor, that teach you uh, what to take a look at. I've got some conflict in my life. Sometimes I like both stocks. For instance, I like both Under Armour and Nike. And what's weird is they're in the same business. Sort of. I, I think you could make a case that Nike's a much bigger company. Under Armour's only worth $15 billion. Nike's worth $68 billion. 
But Under Armour is doing something that they need to be careful on, because much like Sprint announced a price reduction that goes into effect today, where you can get 10 phone lines, 20 gigabytes of data for $100 a month. AT&T and Verizon don't have anything close to that. But AT&T and Verizon have more cash than Sprint does, and Sprint's got a lot of debt. So am I going to make a switch? I'm thinking about it, because you know what? I was thinking about this. Ten years ago, I used to get on my phone, and I wanted the best phone quality, and now I don't. I don't care anymore. I'm on my phone for maybe five seconds, ten seconds at a time. I'm more texting. I'm more WhatsApping, sending my voice through. I'm much more data. So I'm almost offended by what I get from Verizon at this point in time versus what I use. Remember, Verizon used to have this plan. It was like 150 free minutes a month, 200 free minutes a month, 300 free minutes a month, rollover minutes. And then they started, like, it was unlimited data at one point, and now not so much. Okay, so back to Under Armour. They're beefing up its, their endorsement deals. They're trying to top Nike's athletic empire. And Under Armour's mega offer to Kevin Durant, part of a war on Nike. It's going for one of the biggest stars in basketball, Oklahoma City Thunder forward Kevin Durant. Under Armour's offering Durant, who's been loyal to Nike, a package worth $285 million over 10 years. Wow. It would be Under Armour's biggest endorsement deal, representing about 10% of its annual marketing budget. The record-setting deal is intended to widen Under Armour's share of the basketball market, which now stands at less than 1%. By comparison, Nike estimates control about 96% of the market. Um, you may remember a couple weeks ago, um, Under Armour also did the similar thing with outbidding Nike on Manchester United. And they won that one. Manchester Nike said, well, we're walking away. Now, Under Armour could be in trouble if the slide at Manchester United that went on last year continues. Manchester United is considered the top franchise in the world, even bigger than the Yankees, as far as global reach goes. So if they continue to slide and become losers, uh-oh. Certainly won't be for lack of money, though, right? Uh, Under Armour also just launched its biggest ever women's global marketing campaign. Uh, company scored the biggest equipment deal in college sports. So Wall Street's betting Under Armour's ability to chip away at Nike's empire. Stock's up 1,000% in five years. It's considered a clear underdog via the market cap. Under Armour was founded in 1996. That year, it had revenue of $17,000. This year, $3 billion. Nike will have revenue this year of $28 billion. So you can kind of see how this is all playing out. Um, again, I like stories like that, because I think those are the easiest stories to explain to you what's happening in Wall Street. Another thing that's happening on Wall Street that we should all be aware of is water. Water. In the coming decades, the words of the ancient mariner are increasingly likely to seep into the world's consciousness. The ancient mariner once said, water, water everywhere, but not a drop to drink. We got lakes, we got seas, we got oceans covering 71% of the planet, but only a small fraction of the water is clean enough to drink. And even regular sources of drinking water have become tenuous. Lake Erie this summer had some toxic algae. One Ohio mayor had to 
shut down the water supply. So it's been interesting. How will you play it? First and foremost, I want you to take your time. And I don't want you to fall in love with anything. I want you to study the market of water if you're going to try to you know, go for it. First, you could start by finding something that's got a big wide swath to it. Uh, a lot of stocks inside of the fund. And you can start studying the names, the players. The Calvert Global Water Fund is a, such a fund. Take some CFWAX. I bring that one up because of... I don't want you to buy the fund. I want you to start you know, reading their annual reports. Um, I want you to know that you know, nations go to war over water. It's that important. Each additional drop of water is comparatively more expensive because there's so little of it, and demand is growing at two times the rate of population growth. That theme will become an investment theme. Now, we've been talking about that for 10 years. Last three years, the drought in California has really highlighted the problems out there. There's a company that's a water company, Calgon Carbon, ticker symbol CCC. Um, The company tumbled. It fell. Here's supposed to be a winner falling. Analysts had expected the company to post stronger gains in both sales and earnings. Income from operations rose modest 5.4%. Calgon Carbon is a great long-term play because of clean water regulations that go into full effect in 2016. Those rules state clearly you know, purify wastewater before discharging it. As a result, what's called a ballast treatment which generates 200 to 300 million in revenues annually, could quickly become a multi-billion dollar industry. So, they're positioned for that. Xylem is poised to benefit in both commercial and residential building. The company makes pumps, valves, and analytical equipment moved that's used to move, test, and treat water in more than 150 countries. Revenues and profits were nothing to brag about. They brought in a new CEO trying to become a little bit more efficient. Pentair makes valves, fittings, pumps, and filters. So it's a compelling story. It's got a growth angle to it. The company's been domiciled overseas since it bought Tyco International's flow control division in 2012. So they're a Swiss company. Lower tax rates. We've all heard about that. California Water Service Groups, ticker symbol CWT, CWT, American Water Works, AWK, Aqua America, WTR, they're all utilities. They're the boring water plays. But if this fall, if this winter, we don't get some rain, you're going to hear more and more people say, how can I profit off this? I'm so thirsty. I need to buy water. We'll take a break here. We'll come back. Rob Black, your money on KDOW AM 1220, Wall Street Business Network. To Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. 
I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. What's on your financial mind? Janet Yellen, not really causing the market to do too much. Job market still hampered, or just pragmatic policy. Um, for the week, it'll be an up week, but again, it's not even worth... There's nothing going on as far as reaction to what she, her, her speech is. And that's okay. That's something we've been talking about recently is, has the market become apathetic? So the question now is, when does the Fed hike? It's the center stage question. And they're trying, I'm not saying they, and I don't want to put the words in her mouth, but it appears that Jenny Allen is trying to um, delay making a move. Um, and what happens at a time like this is you'll see some other Fed Reserve members, like Plosser out of Philadelphia, he'll get a little bit more vocal on, like, hey, you got to do this before inflation, got to do this before inflation. Uh, throwing that out there. That it's going to be... When rates go higher, we're going to learn, like, the market's been on a blood thinner of cheap money, and it, it may be a little bit tougher on the cardiac. The old cardiac muscle. I don't even know that's a word. I'm probably just making it up. So, Yale versus Penn. This sounds like the world's worst debate, right? It's worthy of note that there's some market gurus that are paid very, very, very well to have opinions. They get funding. They get business schools. Uh, they're PR pieces of the university. Yale's got Robert Scheller. Penn has Jeremy Siegel. And stocks have, you know, been going up. And thus comes the question, are stocks overpriced or not? A lot of Americans, millions of Americans, in fact, have seen their retirement accounts recover from the depths of the 2008 collapse. Now, two of the best-known voices in the investment world are at odds over what's next. I personally am a guy who likes Robert Schiller a lot. He's a Nobel laureate, an economist, and professor at Yale. Jeremy Siegel is a respected professor of finance at Pennsylvania's Wharton School. And they basically appear to completely disagree with each other at this point in time. That's the beauty of Wall Street. Yale versus Wharton. And they disagree. Rob, what's your opinion? Should it even matter? Really, should it even matter at this point in time? So, we've got stocks and bonds highly priced. We're starting to see housing maybe going in the same direction. It's Everything's become pricey. So, I've got a little anxiety over it. You've seen asset classes move higher. People don't want to miss things. So, offering the view that stocks have room to run, higher and likely will. Siegel has been pretty pro-equity. He thinks the bull market's still intact, and that we get in the year now 18,000 or higher. Siegel says we live in a world of uncertainty, and bull markets can you know, climb walls of worry. When we see nothing in the future that can worry us at all, I'll get worried. That's pretty good behavioral uh, investing. Now, 
I think the truth is, like, again, you're going to see these people argue with each other, get on CNBC and argue. And you go, how is it possible that these two people don't see eye to eye? Because um, they're, they're educated. They're well-known spokespeople for well-known university, right? I'm a little worried on housing. Especially in the sense that you'll hear commercials of people going, you know, hey, wasn't that great? We just hit new record highs. Wasn't that great? Well, you need someone to buy the house from you. And if they don't have a home, they're not going to be able to do it. So the affordability problem becomes a little bit more realistic across America. I dislike it when people are forced to try to play the game of, okay, if real estate's going higher, I'll buy. Can't buy in this area, I'll buy somewhere else. I really don't like buying out of your state. And I really don't like buying out of your region. Unless you're a professional. Or you hire professionals to manage it for you. It can, in my opinion, end up making other people money because they told you about it and not be in your best interest. I always wonder, like when you hear a commercial for, hey, this is the best opportunity, this is the best investment opportunity to buy property in, you know, Waco, Texas, with a, built on a lake and golf course all around it. This is the best opportunity of a lifetime. Why are you telling me about it? One analyst is predicting that Apple could drop 10%. Um, I'm going to be at the money show today, by the way, if anyone wants to stop by from 1 to 2. 1 to 2. You can find out more information about that at kdow.biz. It's kdow.biz. Um, some interesting stuff happening in the world of Apple. One analyst said it could drop maybe 10% from here. Thinks it could go a little bit higher. Um, 10% pullbacks are normal and healthy and come with come with a territory. We're hearing a rumor today that Apple's suppliers are struggling to get enough screens ready for the launch of the bigger screen iPhone 6. Panel production was disrupted due to a redesign of a key component. It's unclear whether this will delay the launch of the Apple's next generation phone. The iPhone 6 is expected to be unveiled at a media event September 9th. And it's really not an issue of how much, it's really not an issue of, you know, is it going to be a massive delay? Is it going to be a recall? You may, Apple's worked through things like IntelliGate before. Do you remember, like, if you held the phone in a certain way and Steve Jobs got on stage and showed you how you should be holding the phone, that the antenna power bars don't go down? Um, so if Apple does pull back, they're going to sell millions of phones. Do they sell them this quarter, next quarter? If it's a big, big problem, then, you know, it becomes a little bit more noteworthy. For the record, I own shares of Apple, and today it's hitting its all-time high again. Um, its valuation isn't, isn't expensive. One of the things I like about Apple is that they borrowed money, a lot of money. And I respect companies that do that when the cost of money is low. I borrowed money, a lot of money, in the last two years, three years, uh, because mortgage rates were so low. I'm no fool. I'm no fool, dummy. Uh, Apple's debt to equity, I kind of wanted it to rise during... Thank you, T. T's with me. 
Uh, I wanted their debt to rise because they, they got the cash flow to service it. So borrow the money. You know Apple's building a spaceship-style office in Cupertino? A lot of people will jump in and say, well, that's just proof. Time to sell the stock. And I'm actually not totally against it because if you think about it, like Rome had to go to extreme measures to keep people happy in society. Um, and so far, like, there was a statistic that I was reading the other day. Warren Buffett has donated enough money in his lifetime to build four Apple spaceship campuses. So he's donated, you know, over $20 billion, the second highest amount. And he's going to donate more as he ages and ultimately passes. So Apple's campus is going to be a $5 billion project. It's going to be pretty cool. If you haven't seen designs or videos of what's happening there, Google Apple spaceship campus. Another Warren Buffett uh, statistic that I loved is you could pay the college tuition of six NYU students with what Warren Buffett made in a single hour in 2013. NYU is the most expensive university in the United States. Four years cost $247,000. Buffett made $1.5 million per hour in 2013. Can you imagine sending your kid to college for one hour of work? Woo! And it's the most expensive college in the United States. Hold on, kids. i got to go to work. I'm home. Yay. 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. Other big stories out there today of note. Uh, Russia just significantly escalated the crisis in Ukraine. They're not really listening to the Red Cross. They're really not listening to Ukraine as far as traveling in Ukraine's borders. And that's the problem. It's medical supplies that are traveling in Ukraine's country. But it's the fact that Russia said, we don't care. We'll bring medical supplies if we want to. And they did. Um, ISIS is a big thing in the news. And they're an imminent threat, so says the Defense Secretary. Basically to every interest we have. Secretary of Defense Chuck Hagel warned of the possible threat posed by militants from the Islamic State of Iraq in Syria. He said they are so sophisticated and well-funded as any group that we've ever seen. They're beyond just a terrorist group. He added that this is beyond anything we've seen. We must prepare for everything. Now the cynic's going to say, that's just government wanting more money. I... The cynic in me, there's no cynic in me when I say there will be another act of terrorism that will be another dark day at some point in our life. And uh, as the investment community does in times of massive crisis, it dips, but not for long. And then it roars back up. It seems that capitalism is stronger than terrorism. I'm Rob Black. You can find me online at robblack.com. AM 1220 KDOW traffic. Accident continues in Oakland in this traffic.
You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW and iHeart Radio Station. Thanks for listening to the show. I know you have options and I appreciate it. I've always pledged that if you listen, I will do my very, very best at uh, delivering. You know, some commentary that will hopefully get you thinking about money in a positive way and finding ideas to generate successful returns. I don't promise a million dollars quickly. I don't promise the hot stock now. Beep, 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 beep. My computer just said this is the hot stock now. I don't have any of that. I, I, I think that's silly. We'll look at the hot stock and, you know, Netflix. Is there still room for it to grow? There is, because there's still countries for it to grow. Um, it's pretty saturated in the United States, and I wouldn't own it if I was playing it only for the United States, but I would own it. The one thing I would consider about owning it in the United States is tied towards millennials. And I just see people are so frustrated with cable television. And they're just so frustrated. It's cost a lot of money. Then you get these channels. Like, I don't watch Food Network. I like to eat food. I don't like to watch food being made. Um, I like good Thai food. But Rob, if you watch it being made, you can make it yourself and save money. Well, I never thought of that. How smart of you. Cookbooks. Um, 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Uh, be careful out there. You know, earlier in the show we got a call from a lady who's working with a guy at UBS and Lisa. And she's, he's a nice guy and what have you. And just be careful. If you have a question about a product and fees that are tied towards it, send me an email. Rob at Rob Black Show. I'll tell you with there's fees. I'll tell you if it's a good long-term idea or not. Compared to the length of the retirement, 15 minutes is what you should do right now to start taking a look at your money. You should do it on a regular basis. Oops. James in San Francisco. Hey, good James, morning. What's up? Uh, if you one owns one stock, just one stock of Apple, how does that dividend thing, interest payment work? I, I'm new to this stuff. Yeah, I wouldn't advise owning one stock, and thanks for the call. Um, I would advise owning the S P 500. Own 500 stocks. If you're new to it, do that. Or the Russell 3000, or the Wilshire 5000. Anytime the market goes down, you're happy because you're going to get a chance to buy another version of it cheaper. Anytime the stock market's going higher, you're happy because the money you invested is making money. Don't invest unless you have five years. And don't invest if you don't have you know, the ability to see the value go up and down. If you're 50 years old right now, your life expectancy is 81. So if you stop working at 60, you've got 20 years where you have to pay yourself, pay your money on a dwindling supply of it. Uh, right now, if you're 81, you're probably going to live to 89. So life expectancy is a funny thing. Don't underestimate your life expectancy. It's probably the number one piece of advice I can give people. Um, 
consider your hereditary. My mom's still kicking along, um, well past 75, but she hasn't been healthy, and it's been expensive. So I have a spending plan. I have a savings plan. My savings plan accounts for 3% inflation tied towards my future spending. So food costs have gone up. I still like chicken. I still like steak. They're more expensive this year. Um, I have goals. I want to fully fund my retirement portfolio. And I want to pass it on to heirs or to a charity. I'm not looking for lower rates of returns for safety. I'm looking for moderate to higher rates of, of returns so I can beat inflation. And so that I'm okay with ups and downs. Um, in retirement, I'm going to need cash flow because I like to spin like a pirate, which I don't even know if that makes sense, but we'll go with it. Um, last year, the market was up 30%. I'm not counting on it going up 30% this year. So don't assume. Assume, Captain. Assume. Uh, 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220. I liked James' call question. I hope he doesn't get mad that I was I turned it on him a little bit. You know, he asked about Apple, and it's got a 2.1% dividend yield. So if you own $100 of it, you're going to get $2.10. So you're going to get roughly $0.55 cents in January, $0.55 cents in May, $0.55 cents in three months later, and $0.55 cents three months after that. I'm tired. Cut me slack for not wanting to add up my months in my head. So you take that buck 88 that they're currently paying, and you divide it by four, and you spread it out over 90 days. And if it's in regular account, you're paying taxes on it. So don't forget to save money for the tax man. So dividend income. Dividend income, Captain. Hi, Captain. Um, 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-516-1220. Home flipping is waning. Home flipping in which a buyer resells a property quickly for a profit is on the decline as residential price gains slow and foreclosures dwindle. Almost 31,000 single-family homes were flipped in the second quarter, representing 4.6% of all sales. Now the profits are much smaller. Taxes are still there. Risks are still there. Thanks, everyone, for listening. You can find me online at robblack.com. You can email me, rob at robblackshow, rob at robblackshow. You're listening. Oh, and come see me at The Money Show today in San Francisco. For more information on that, go to kdow.biz. It's kdow.biz. I'll be there from 1 to 2 at the kdow booth. This is Rob Black and your money on the Wall Street Business Network. Opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always. Who are the winners and losers on Wall Street? Visit Rob Black's YouTube channel for a fresh take on the market each weekday with Rob's morning market notes. You'll also see Rob's winners and losers and find an endless stream of financial insight when you browse hundreds of Rob Black video clips. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.